building an indie business in the center of venture capital. But today, we are in a different location. Instead of the indie business studio, we are in downtown San Jose in some hotel. Uh, I'm here with Brendan Weinstein. Today, we will be talking about um, investing and uh, the new rules that just uh, were created to make investing more accessible. So we're going to talk about the new rules, um, what you, what were the requirements before, and uh, a few other things. So let's get into it. All right. Well, I think he forgot to mention, first of all, hey guys, um, but I think the difference, the main difference is not the location. The main difference is Alex and I are actually together for this time, for this podcast. This is the first time we've ever, um, well, been in together, been together in person at all, but certainly the first time we've been you know, been able to record a podcast together in person, so. Yeah, uh, but dude, I don't really consider you a guest. You're just someone who has information and I put you on the podcast to give me that information at this point. So so this is like an employment contract, <laughs> sort of? This is that's how this works? Yeah, this is an interview for a job, basically. Right, right, so so this, this gets put out and then they determine whether or not I get time employed? Okay. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, it's great. It's great to actually talk about this. Um, it's touching on something that I actively like am, am involved with um, being someone who has the you know always been involved in startups, I I raised money before for startups. I've I've um, been a part of you know the negotiations, raising money from like on the side of the startup, receiving from the VC, and just recently um, you know started the going through the, the process of looking into being an accredited investor to invest in startups. And myself having been one, I was quite interested recently that. Um, there were some changes that the SEC has made, um, allowing for uh, a lot more expo- a lot more um, accessibility into inve- startup investing, uh, angel investing. Um, the, the requirements prior used to be pretty rigid. Uh, ironically, you'd be able to invest in the stock market right at, at any with five dollars. Anyone wants to, but for those who do, who do not know, um, to be an accredited investor to raise money, sorry, as a startup or invest in a startup. Um, you actually have to be an accredited investor. Therefore, the accredited investor regulations used to state that you had to either have one of two or three different qualifications. It was two hundred thousand dollars per an, like per yeah per year salary for two years um, with tax statements, um, I believe, or one million dollars worth of net worth, not including your main residence um, in assets. Did you have to file paperwork, or was it just you had those assets and you could invest? So, so this is tricky. Like, uh, you, there's there are paperwork like um, verification services you could use, right? So you could mm. produce pay stubs. You should you can show pay stubs. You could produce um, you know financial disclosure documents, but there actually is not a official disclosure, um, an official process beside unless the company um, or the fund that that you're joining has like a request document for you to verify that you are and or you know I mean state that you have been an accredited investor mm. so a lot of this is is tricky because at, at a time where they might have you know needed your verification and you did have that net worth let's say five six years ago and now you don't there, there's not really a, a time where you would have had to re-verify that a firm may request you know I mean pay stubs at the time and you could show them that you are accredited right now or you validate to be accredited but there's not a accreditation I don't get a blue check mark on my you know, bank account statement, you know what I mean, <laughs> that I get to invest, like Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so this is where... Um, Wait, I, I have one question. So uh, let's say I become accredited in 2015, and that's based on my job where I make $500,000 a year. 
but I lose that job. Do I lose my accreditation? No, this is exactly what I was just, that's what I was just touching on, is that since there's no real accreditation service, right, we're not, like, there's no blue check mark, like I said, mm. there isn't somewhere where I have to re-verify that, right? Mm. So if, if I've been making, start, like, you know what I mean, uh, seed, you know, some seed deals, right, and the next company that sees that I've been doing that comes along and doesn't request that I, you know, sign and agree that, like, you know, I'm signing my life away. Like, if it comes out to be one day that I didn't have that accreditation, I wasn't at the time eligible to invest, and I want to come liquidate my, you know, my, my position come five years later when the company makes a billion dollars, if I lied on that document, I'm not going to get the returns, right? It's going to cause a big problem. So I think that's where, like, the biggest reform really needed to be and wasn't touched on is that like are are you officially still accredited like do you do you submit paperwork yearly you know what I mean to prove that you're still worth that if you've lost it all like you you can no longer back the company it wasn't like the idea behind it to make sure you have enough money to fund the company like you're not just saying you do right and bankrupting yourself right exactly um yeah. so no and if you made that much money net then and you don't anymore and you're not worth that now there wouldn't necessarily be any um blocking anything blocking you there would be no restrict no um, verification lifted from you unless the firm or or company that you're investing in has documentation requesting you to verify at that date that you are still accredited which would be then you just it's your word against theirs right it's just a, a, a honor code kind of system all right so to summarize previously uh to be an accredited investor you needed a net worth of one million one million and then assets it, well, oh, including assets, yeah. but the trick was that it, the one million has to be one million dollars outside of the value of your main residence. So okay, not including your house. Correct. But if you had investment property, right. that would count. Right. Okay. So then, what are the new rules? The new rules are crowdfunding for equity. So crowdfunding is usually like you know considered or people associate it with you know Kickstarter projects or like GoFundMe. Um, and that's true. That is what crowdfunding is for. But crowdfunding for equity is now a lot more um, accessible to, to people because instead of getting a benefit like a 25% off or a free uh, version of the t-shirt, right, that, like when you help fund a, kick, a Kickstarter, you can receive equity in a company. Um, that allows anybody, the same way anybody without an accreditation can, was able to fund Kickstarter projects, you can fund it for equity, right? Now, it used to be that it would be very hard to find these opportunities because it was limited to certain bro like accounts or online platforms such as like Start Engine that was had contracts where you, a pro they'd be your proxy and technically they'd be investing on your behalf so you were able to but now they've raised the limit from 1.07 million dollars to 5 million dollars that a company can raise in seed funding via crowd uh, yeah seed crowdfunding mm -hmm. so that's now enough of a seed round right size that companies can realistically approach their seed round as a plan and a model to raise money from uh, at like crowd like by the crowd and, and via crowdfunding, not for, through vent, traditional venture capital. Problem beforehand was you needed to raise more than one point oh seven million dollars. You were as the company choosing to block the people you wish you could allow to invest, but you need to raise more money than that, right? Now by raising it, they've made it accessible as deals are happening where companies are raising money. You know what I mean? Um, from yes, the the, the non-accredited investors. Mm. So. What do you need to get involved in equity crowdfunding? Like, what are the requirements now? I would, um, so I would advise if anyone out here to actually um, look at uh, or yeah, find online recently, Google um, Sahil and, uh, from Gumroad and um, 
uh, was it was it Arlen? Yeah, yeah Arlen, Arlen of, uh, uh, from um, Hustle Fun. I mean, uh, um, uh, from. I'll Google it. Yeah, um, I, I I can't remember. I'm I don't know if it was part of her fun. That's what I'm I'm trying to get at. Um, they them two together put up a um, a GoFundMe basically, like a, a crowd a crowdfunding um, page that allowed for the um, through Republic, which is you know a similar to like a Kickstarter, but instead for equity of companies, um, a, a fund. They opened up a a, a crowd a crowdsourced fund that was able to raise money from anyone that wanted to invest with I think a minimum of hundred dollars or thousand dollars. And in 12 hours, the $5 million fund, the max size, was raised from not accredited investors. It took 12 hours to be able to source enough people with small checks, right, the anybody person, that wanted to invest in companies. And now their fund, right, they're acting as your proxy, is going to invest in companies the same way a venture capital company, venture capital fund does. You're a LP, a limited partner, in a venture capital fund that's investing in these startups. Uh, so uh, Brendan was talking about Arlen Hamilton of a uh, backstage capital. Ah, uh, backstage capital. Sorry, yeah, yeah I, I, I often get those uh, confused. But backstage capital, by the way, if you if you're not familiar with it, I would definitely look into it. Arlen, how she's doing some great work. Yeah, definitely. That's why I felt bad that I didn't. Me, me too. I was, I was like, <laughs> and, and I, I read so much of her, of her, you know, I mean, about her too, and like, and Sahil's a, a, a phenomenal, um, like, uh, innovator in, in the sense of he's been like you know first on the ball to rolling funds with angelist he's first on the ball with you know um allowing the any you know the everyday non-accredited investor who wants to get involved in startup investing by more so than raising a fund this way but doing it when he could have you know i mean raised the fund on his own or or, or it's pretty selfless right he kind of opening it up to everyone so that everyone knows this is there was half the i feel like the purpose mm-hmm. and that's like you know i mean pretty important to, for everyone to notice is like it wasn't so that event this now uh you know millionaire already or a credit investor can make a lot of money as with these investments they're allowing anybody to become an lp in this fund of theirs right yeah that way they can go on their behalf fund other companies right it's pretty much the opposite of the way people look at venture capitalists right you look at them with like this they're greedy like well in, if you're crowdfunding the funds to source these deals you're kind of the one the hero no yeah, um, but in terms of e-commerce, we like Stripe better. So, yeah, <laughs> just throwing that out there for the record. Um, but Stripe is a they're not what's Gumroad is a great start if you're starting out in e-commerce. Just gonna say that. Yes, I say. I mean, yeah. See, outside of Seahills, you know, working in in uh, you know being an entrepreneur as a startup, his I, I investing didn't say side, anyone's name. His investment platform. His investment. Um, you know, accessibility is his improvement. His stance on improving the accessibility of investment, startup investing, is pretty important. Um, the SEC's rules, as I was touching early on earlier, that, oh, yeah. ch- that I gonna, changed. I was um, going to ask, why did they change? Um, this is something that I think is happening all across the board in investing. Um, I think I have a theory, but I want to hear yours. First. Yeah. Um, okay. So if you if you don't mind, I'd love to hear your theory. To be honest. All right. So my theory is that like everything's becoming more accessible. Like look at what happened with uh, GME and Robinhood and the, ki- exactly the kids right. were yes. able to uh, dethrone in this right. situation. The retail investor was, right. was able to get involved with and actually make an impact and, and they uh, were able to against win. Against hedge funds, right. And so 
uh, investing is becoming more accessible, and uh, a lot of people have money, in theory, right? And they need uh, more more places to put it instead of just the market. Mm-hmm. So they're opening up uh, equity investing. But right. uh, what, yeah, what are so, your so you're, you're pretty much right on the money. There's a couple extra things there that like um, situationally happen to all like be a perfect storm. Um, stimulus checks being one, mm. right? The retail investor has money, has a thousand dollars in an account of extra money right now yeah. to invest, right? So um, the the stock market, the 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 way that the GME um, Wall Street bets uh, saga occurred, kind of gave more, even more than just opening everyone's eyes. It proved that these people, the retail investor, is actually intelligent. There are many of them that are knew what they were doing, right? They were not advising you, but in many of their positions, they were taking bets against an exchange, a marketplace, right? They were betting on the, the fact that the, there was a worse bet, the short, right, was the, who they were betting against. Someone has shorted this company. I believe that that's a bad bet. I'm betting against him. I'm not investing in the company, I say, necessarily. That's a different form of fundamental, but it's still a fundamental investment, right? Mm. So the belief in that, like, there are regular people out there, regular retail investors that with their $1,000 stimulus check they just got, actually do know how to make conscious decisions in the stock market, right? They shouldn't be left out of these, of these investments. So they were allowed to make these crazy investments in public companies for no reason, right? Like, where yeah. they have no control, but you weren't allowed, that same person, to invest in a company that's trying to get off the ground, right? right? Like, th- the stimulus, if you think about it, we're, we're trying to give people money so they can help the small business, right? They can go to the store and spend it. It's kind of the same idea. We want to give you money so you can help the small little company get their feet off the ground so that the people that have maybe lost their jobs can start up companies and raise it from the people they know around the corner. Right, and especially because like when they talked about regulating uh, like retail investing more because people don't know what they're doing with their money in terms of investing, like, yeah, if you let someone invest in a company, they can't be pulling it in and out, right? So it's more stable that way, in quotes, than investing in the stock market where they could lose it overnight. Right, and like, you know, don't get me wrong. It's very, very... You're not always investing. So the rule did state that you have to invest like through a platform, right? Like an online platform. It's not going to be a you meeting with the startup. You're going to hand them paperwork, right? You're going to sign documents. There's a, a a line between there, which is you know the general partner, the way a venture capital fund would in, would you know I mean draw capital and fund the the startup. There's a platform acting as that proxy on your behalf, right? So mm-hmm. let's say Republic is a great one. That's where. Um, Arlen and um, and Sahil, yeah, he, where they raised their um, their round, their fund to um, to start this off. You know that that's one example. You're not acting as your own in um, like coach or, or or actual single investor. The same way that, that you're investing as you know you see Sequoia Capital right and that funds around. Well, there are limited partners at that fund that put their capital right that they have in the fund towards that deal right. Mm-hmm. That's how that fund invests. So certain partners receive the benefits when they draw down and they, you know, I mean, at future rounds and they exit and they, and they liquidate. So this is the same kind of idea, right? So for anyone that fears, like, they're like, oh, but why do I have to invest, like, through a platform? Well, like, if you want to be a VC, like, you have to invest through your fund, right? That's, that's right. a very similar process. So online, you would basically be the LP. And Sahil and, for this, example, for this you know, instance, Sahil and Arlen are going to be representing you, right? It's your money. It's their... They are conscious, um, very, very wise investors. 
you want to be the LP in a, in a fund like Sequoia because they're wise investors, right? You feel like yeah. they're going to give you a great return. Same idea, except now you can join any you know, I mean, wise investor you believe can turn your money into more money. Right. And then uh, I would like to say, first of all, Sequoia, if anyone is listening from Sequoia, please fund me. I have ideas. So, yeah. I, I, but, I, I, oh, hold on. I'm not done. <laughs> okay. I use so, Sequoia because it happens to be, I think, the <laughs> oldest hedge fund in the world like that's around. The only, I was just trying to get, go as far back as I could. It's not a, There was no name involved in there. We will be coming to your offices, and I want a meeting. <laughs> but I'm not going to show up in sweatpants like Zuckerberg did. That, that scene in that movie, that's a fact. That is what the reason he did that was at Sequoia's offices, for anyone that doesn't know that. That is true. But I was going to say, uh, previously, or well, when you go to a hedge fund for uh, capital, you're asking for millions of dollars. Oh, or, or a venture maybe, capital fund or a hedge fund? Because well, there would be... It would, Sequoia. Okay, a venture capital fund. Right. So you're asking them for maybe... Three million dollars at the minimum, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, and then they're investors because they get outside money from people like uh, billionaires, like right. name a billionaire. So right, so like this is this is like uh, if you want to. Okay, this is it's a little bit it, different topic, but it, it, it's definitely it, definitely important. You have to let me finish. No, no yeah, so, I agree. So uh, you, you you can invest in like those companies, but through uh, previously through those through. A venture capital firm, but now you can take a thousand dollars and invest it uh, for equity in a company. Right. So, like, if you're not like, think about who you know that's a partner at a venture capital firm, right? It was the same limitation to be that than it was to be an accredited investor, except so much harder, right? You see, um, well, I think Don Valentine, I believe, is the founder of Sequoia um, back in, which is like I think the oldest. But you see, like Reed Hoffman, right? Yeah. You'll see his name, partner. Greylock Ventures, right? Yeah. He's a partner, meaning he's had put his millions of dollars that they require, right? There's a minimum investment into the fund that now Greylock uses as general partner, right? Limited partner, same relationship. And they are the fund that's funding them, right? Now to join those firms, if you wanted to be able to receive the benefits, like let's, let's think about it compared to the stock market, right? You expect X return. Let's say you expect a 5% return, right? On something, oh, every, you know, annually on a certain one of your equities or um 20 percent is like a certain a great great fun, uh fun right firm right might promise you um a wealth management firm might you know i mean might promise you 20 18 percent returns now you would be awesome for you right yeah. now that's great that's stock that's that's public public investing right the way the private market investments would be you would you would, you would want to be giving you would want to be a Greylock, right and they fund a hundred companies right? right with with the billions of dollars that they've raised from outside capital right they have raised money from their partners, right? And outside other like um, institutional investors become limited partners of a, a, a venture capital firm. And that venture capital firm is now investing in a hundred startups. If one or two or three of them hit and become a billion dollar company, right? Now the fund has been given and liquidates. They're given $5 billion for their $100 million investment, right? Yeah. That $5, million, $5 billion is, is given, it's not just the funds, right? It's the people who invested, the limited partners that are funding the fund, are given a twenty-five percent right return on your money for every X percent of money we for X percent above um, our investment that we've earned. So if, if maybe they make a deal where it's like for every dollar above break-even, twenty percent goes to the, the LPs and the rest stays in the fund, right? So right. you're basically like the stock market. You're expecting a return. You're not just sitting there like the fund going. Oh wow, the whole eight billion dollars. Here you go, fund, and it sits in the fund, and then at the end of the year, everyone's just paid millions in bonuses. 
if you're not the limited partner at that firm that wanted to invest, you and your investors are not going to see that return. Right. And that just reminded me, like, uh, with standard, uh, like, venture capital and hedge funds, uh, a standard uh, fee structure is 2 and 20. So yeah. do you want to explain what that is? Um, it, it, we can get into it, like, uh, a little bit. But it's, it's mostly about, like, the 2% is the management fee. So like, you raise money from, uh, let's say, like, a, a firm, a fund, um, a venture capital fund, a hedge fund, raises money, right? from limited partners, very, very wealthy people who need investment vehicles, right? Um, they want to give you their $100 million because you'll be making smart decisions and for a living, you make, you're going to turn their $100 million into $150 million over 10 years, let's say, right? Okay. Um, that 2% of, two, the 2 and 20 is 2% per year of the amount you invested is charged as a fee for doing the work, right? And then the 20% is 20% of the, um, profits, right, from the uh, the deal, I, is it, yeah, the profits, or is it 20% above, um, yes, 20% of, of, of all of the returns, right, the first 20% above break-even of the returns are directly given to um, the LPs, right, so, like, you're, you're not, the fund is not going to see any money until its LPs have received 20% return above their investment and then that the rest is the funds but two percent per year of the amount invested is charged as a fee so the fund is receiving two right and there's a 20 percent gain for that two for that two percent fee mm, for sure and yeah now that uh you go through a platform you can cut that out correct like <laughs> like you're no longer put in the position where it's now there are fees right i'm sure like yeah. you know republic has a fee they take a fee but like you're not stuck in this position where I have to be a. I mean, I don't know exactly like what each but, fund but it, needs, but like, can, like how, how do you become a partner at, at one of these firms, at one of these funds, right? Like a VC yeah. fund. You have to be a ex founder of one of these humongous startups, right? That raised billions of dollars. So it's it's one of two things. It's your it's your like your impact, your status, right? It's yeah. Social status, basically, that gets you a position to be able to be in a fund, or the amount of money you have is at a level of like that you know i mean you need a vehicle larger than the stock market to put your hundred million dollars into right right so you're gonna fund venture capitalists to go make their investments and give you that 20 percent return you don't get the whole two six you know billion dollars when they when they liquidate they're giving you a 20 they're guaranteeing you a 20 percent gain right yeah. you will see above that if they kill it for you like i can give you one great example um of a you know I mean, just like a one investment you know like absolute like here, I'll just, I'll just go, um, Robin, not Robin, like a Robin had allowed the retail investor to do what they're doing, right? The, yeah. the this new change has allowed the, the regular, um, everyday investor, retail investor to now get into startups, right? But the, the thing that gets like kind of lost is like, where does the money actually go? Like VCs, where, how are they getting their money, right? Like if you make an investment as a fund, who in that fund gets this huge $10 billion when the company IPOs for a hundred billion dollars, right? Right. Uh, also, like, how do they make money on ventures or like companies that aren't very profitable? Well, so there, I'll touch on that in a moment. The, uh, mm -hmm. the example I wanted to give was this: like, the the reason why they can invest in one hundred companies, right? Which is their strategy. I'm gonna invest in. I'm gonna take a risk on a hundred, right? Right. And one's gonna pan out. Two, three. The idea is, I think three out of every one hundred big ass investments, pardon my language, will will hit. And when they hit, they're gonna hit big enough 
that it's going to cover not only the whole fund size that they just invested, but enough to cover gains for every one of their, their LPs to meet that 20% mark. Now, the, what example is this? WhatsApp. WhatsApp raised, I believe, $9 million. I, can, I have to double check, but I believe it's $9 million from Sequoia Capital yeah, in a Series A. Facebook products. Okay? Just, no, no, let me, let me make this clear. Their, their return when they sold to Facebook was about somewhere in like the eight, six, six, or three, three, six, eight billion dollar range, right? So you had an LP at that fund, at that fund that put in four million dollars, right, to join the fund. The yeah. fund was given the access to WhatsApp. You weren't, right? You never had that chance. Their return is here's your two billion dollars. Where are you going to ever see that ever occur, right? That was blocked to the everyday person. Yeah. Right now, that can happen to anybody that wants to make an investment in that size, in any size in a company. That was to be able to happen. The whole fund didn't get that money. The LP at that company, at that firm, that at Sequoia, that decided he wants to exercise his, you know, I mean, right to put some of his investment money that's in the fund into this startup uh, WhatsApp. Right, he saw the drawdown of of the returns after the twenty percent. Mm. Okay, do do partners at the firm like? I'm an investor in Sequoia. Do I get to say like, oh, put my money in this company? So that's what I'm saying is, is like, uh, uh, they're not investors in Sequoia, right? Mm. Like those firm, the, a venture capital firm has partners. Right. You have to be invited in. It's a partnership. There's a very large investment amount you must make. Right. The, the, the company is, the, is like built on partners joining together with putting their money, their hundreds of millions of dollars together, right? So that they can sit. And with that hundred million dollars, now they could go. It was is this bad the way it really works? But like they go to a prime broker and they they can now leverage themselves up like fifty x to that. And with that hundred with that three hundred million dollars, they now have six hundred billion dollars with of capital to um to um you know basically deploy. The reasoning is is that a prime broker will will give them you know x percent above. I mean yeah x like five x ten x fifteen x times whatever their assets are. Well, their assets are $500 million in cash now. So now they have a, a, a huge investment vehicle a, a, like I mean, to start investing with. When that happens, that's the similar you know, I mean, process to when a company may, I mean, a firm may decide it's going to add a new partner and that partner is going to bring in a $300 million investment, right? Now, when, when you see a, a fund like um, SoftBank, say they just raised a $200, billion, a $200 million round, I mean, right, a fund that they're going to deploy. What that means is they went to their partners at their firm, right? The people that work there, and they requested whoever wants to join this new fund we just created internally, right? It's called the Vision Two or whatever you want to call it. You can now put five million, ten million of your money that is that they're holding, right? They, they, you put in an original investment. You can use your investment money that you have sitting there, deploy it on these certain into these certain funds. So I put gave you hundred million dollars. This is Fund C. Fund C is what's going to deploy, is what we're going to use to make our next 10 investments, right? Fund C is worth $200 million. Do you want to put your $20 million of your $100 million investment into Fund C, right? That's how I would be able to see any returns from anything that's invested in, in Fund C. So it's not raising money from outside investors. You see what I mean? It's the, it used to just be that venture firm. If you weren't a partner at a VC firm, you weren't getting money. The LP was the guy who was getting the money, right? That was the investor. The fund... And the, and the LP, you're already a hundred million. Like, you know, what I mean, you're not giving people to the opportunity to pool money together, like the masses. The way Wall Street bets gave put two million people together to make a change, right? Because 
like-minded people can speak together and can act together, well, they could do the same to a, a, a startup and launch amazing new innovative products, right? Like we want to get to the moon. Well, right? You hear the race, like to the moon? Like if, imagine if all those Wall Street bets, if everyone on Wall Street bets, like two, two million people were like, let's put $2,000, all of us together to a startup, right? Yeah. Well, they could do it now, right? And like, that's a lot of money, right? Like yeah. that wasn't possible. You had to listen to hope that the company who was going to make that bet of 100 companies, fund them all, let 90 of you freaking motherfuckers fail. I don't care. Sorry. Like that's the way they're thinking. You can all fail. We're going to make it because that guy won, right? Like they don't care that the other 90 that they just gave $100 million to sink down the drain and are all broke now, lost it. Like, you know what I mean? That's not fair. So it matters to be able to be in that position as well that, you know what I mean? You give that accessibility to the same, in the same way that you can invest in a public company. Mm. Okay. So I have a big problem with VCs in general where they fund like stupid ideas, right? Well, like, that's the reason like I just said. It doesn't matter. They're making a bet of 101. I know. But so, like, Juicero. Juicero is a perfect example. Like, that that was clearly going to fail. So how do... Oh, I have, I have a little strong opinions on this, too, boy. How do they make money from that? Do they make money at all, or is it just zero? What what, what valuation did they, ra- did they originally raise the money at? I can't even remember. So let's say, let's say Series A was like, 200, like a, a, $200 million, a $200 million raise, let's say, right? Yeah. And you're, you're valued at a billion dollars. Yeah. And now you raise another round, and you're valued at at two million dollars. Oh, they cash out. Oh, at the second Oh yeah, right. So like that's what I'm saying is their game is that they don't give anything about you, right? They're gonna they, they can make the decision beforehand in secondary markets. Like right now, before Robinhood's IPOing, the secondary markets are going crazy. I can tell you for a fact, Jay, like Jason Calcanis is getting. I heard him say in the all in podcast, he's getting offers like crazy for his shares. Right? He he's an early investor. You can cash out your shares in the secondary markets to other accredited investors, mm. right? So now it's worth your, your shares are worth double the valuation. They're about to go public at thirty-eight billion dollars, thirty-three billion dollars. Your shares are valued at when they were two billion, right? right? Yeah, I'm gonna go find someone who's willing to give me the valuation of twenty billion. They'll cut, you know, we'll cut it somewhere in between, mm-hmm. and you can take my shares off my hands. Okay. Uh, so first of all, if you have shares in Stripe and want to sell them to me in the secondary market. Let me know. Prob- okay. uh, we just nailed the problem exactly. You're, are you accredited? Thank you. So <laughs> there's the problem. You used to be able to, even if you were like trying to in the secondary markets to gain shares to these companies, you weren't able, you weren't allowed to hold the share of a private company, you know what I mean, a startup. Mm-hmm. You had to be able to prove your, I guess maybe not prove, but you had to be accredited. Now, if there's, let's say, um, Sequo- let's say one of these venture capital funds decides to launch its next fund as a crowdsourced fund. Mm. I can be a part of a fund that venture that Sequoia invests in companies with. Mm. Right now, ev- I'm basically in the secondary market. That's what I be- I view it as. I view the this new ability like a secondary market because it has to occur on a platform like an online platform at with a proxy like Republic is. You know what I mean? So they can sell their secondary shares on Republic and I can buy them then? No, right now that's not like what, what's occurring. But what I'm trying to say is that like, if I own the shares mm-hmm. because I was now able to invest in something like on Republic, mm-hmm. now I have the ability, like they used to, to go and sell my shares on a secondary market, mm-hmm. right? So like when I see this company double in value, right? Like the old VC used to do, like you just said, how do they make money? I think this company is gonna fail, but they just, dub- they're worth double they were when I invested. Well, no, sorry, when our fund invested, I would like to divest out of that at double the price, please, today. 
Mm-hmm. I'll take my shares and do that on the private on the on the secondary market, right? This is where I believe like the next phase of this is because right now I'm by proxy, right? Republic is acting as my proxy. Republic would have to be willing to sell their the shares on the secondary market. Mm-hmm. So where like that's where the, you know I mean the rules get tricky. It's like then you're not really given the full availability like like a VC is. There's also a limitation on a certain percentage. You can only invest a certain percentage of your current um, like uh, gross adjusted income per year. So they are monitoring these certain rules, and I don't want to get into too specifics because I, I don't have any of the documentation in front of me, and no, it's, it's pretty long and, and hefty. Yeah. But it's certainly all designed towards making companies more willing to raise their rounds via crowdsourced funds that will allow funds and or the everyday people to get gather together and even consider it, right? Because $5 million is so much more than $1 million as a seed, that many more companies can actually get off the ground that people... It's now an investment vehicle opportunity, and it's also a strategy that a company can go down. Okay, so I have two questions. One about Juicero and one about Stripe. Mm-hmm. So to buy shares of Stripe, I, or someone who owns Stripe shares would have to list them on Republic, and Republic would have to then approve the deal. So no, like Republic is like, yeah, like I, right now, no. There's, there's secondary market offerings. Republic is not one of them. Republic is a crowdsourced fund um, okay. opportunity. So I can, my startup can get accepted into Republic and raise funds from you, yeah. right? That's what's occurring now. What I'm saying is that Republic, you funded Republic, right? Republic acted as your proxy to me, to my company. Right. How do you, right, take your shares if you want to and sell them on a secondary market if Republic is the one who's named on the stock certificate? Mm. That's what I was saying. Is I okay. believe next where we get to is like, you get even more, the, the everyday investor needs to now get every like more and more rights, right? Like the way that the the LP at at Sequoia, like we just said, can r- withdraw his money and and have Sequoia right sell part of his shares because inside the fund another one of his partners would be willing to take his shares from him. Mm. I can't do that because my name's not listed on it, right? If I do that, now I only really care about this because I'm in the opposite sense. Like I'm right now starting in like you know rate i was about to start a rolling fund accredited rolling fund like just that's you know two weeks ago i, I just got it like approved into and i'm, I'm using angelus venture and i really started in, looking into like well this is like really ridiculous that like there's a certain amount of money that you know a little bit of money that made this possible as other of all these opportunities now to invest in right and like yeah. i'm allowed to now create a rolling fund and allow that allows like other people to give me money to invest with in companies because I have like a little bit more money than th- there's so many people that I know that should be giving me advice and and us all together be doing the exact same thing right like we all are the same like mind I'm getting advice from them they didn't make they didn't get really lucky and hit it and make a big company once right but like their ideas if they had the ability to be investing they would be at the point of the accredited investor Right, but you blocked them from the opportunity. They knew about it. They knew about Lyft. They knew about Stripe. They knew about, um, you know, what I mean, like every one of these companies that, that eventually are worth billions. You think you and I, do you, would you, two three years ago, at a, when they were worth eight billion dollars, would you not have been like, yeah, I'm gonna obviously I would fund Stripe. Yeah. If you give me the chance to put two thousand dollars into the next round of Stripe, I'm in. Right. It was obvious. Even when it was at forty eight billion dollars, I would have been dying to do so. Right. Yeah. No one gave me that opportunity. Imagine now if if there was a fund like, like um. Like, um, let's say, uh, I don't know what it's called, but the fund that like Sahil and Arlen just had, if they're now able to invest in in Stripe right now, right, in the round that they just closed, let's say they had, right, at a $98 billion valuation. Now we're all investors in Stripe. 
now we're all investors in Stripe because we gave Arlen and Sahil money. There was no system to give Arlen and Sahil money to invest in Stripe for us. It was just Arlen and Sahil were able to invest in Stripe. Yeah. Now you see how like how much more accessible it is. Like we can do that, but it wasn't like it, it's getting it's there now, right? It's there because, uh, like I said, because of, there's also so much stimulus money that it, it's possible. Like there are that many people that just got fourteen hundred dollars. Like even if you want to say the minimum is a thousand dollar investment, let alone you know what I mean. Like you can make a minimum investment. There's not really like yet a rule I would say that like is is pretty easy to get around um, with you know when you want to file for the SEC in this matter because where you used to not have to really file for accreditation like I was saying it's tricky now that they just released this rule if you want to like a, like skirt the the few stimulation like stipulations they did make which were percentage of your gross of your adjusted gross income is what you're allowed to invest in. That's probably going to be more monitored closely, right? Because as they're rolling this out, if it's failing, it's going to be something about people are risking all this money, right? right? So I wouldn't, you know, say that you can go invest your whole stimulus check. But what I would say is that like everyone that just went and put their fourteen hundred dollars stimulus check into the stock public stock market would have been able to make way better, way more companies, way more small businesses, like funded launch. What if it's a pizza shop in the corner? That's right. a startup I used to not be able to fund. It doesn't have to be a tech conglomerate especially because like when you look at uh gamestop they didn't know what to do with all that money they, were, they, they didn't touch it it wasn't gamestop's money they specifically did not actually and they've just recently announced like that money if you think about it think about what the, what the statement of 139 percent short interest means it means 139 percent of 100 percent of shares are currently shorted mm. that means all the shares there are to have are owned by people right, right. there's no more like there's no liquidity in there so it means the company itself can't sell, can't gain money from this. They don't own those shares, right? They're, they have li limits. So if if Ryan uh, Cohen, you know what I mean, came in and want, sold all of his shares, what do you think that looks like? The guy who just came in as the, the new chairman is going, oh, well, I'm going to go, you guys are pumping up this stock, I'm going to sell it. The, the, it would crash, right? The confidence meter, negative. The guy, right, the guy who comes in, you guys just funded me and I don't believe in this thing, I'm out. <laughs> no, right? So they hold, right, obviously. And also, he... They have lockup periods. They're not allowed to. Right. So in order to rate, actually gain any money from this, they would have to have issued a new issued a, a fund a raise, right, a secondary uh, offering, right. and therefore at a, a certain price. Which investors, right, institution of that size, right, of a round in order to raise from the from the Robin Hoods of the world, like investors, the everyday investors, what price do you think they would have had to fix it in at in order to get a billion dollars in liquidity of cash? Right, like they would have to justify why now the company has to make an announcement and justify and start speaking on what's happening to justify whatever price they targeted at, right? So they would have had to make a statement: Why are you worth eighty dollars a share then? If you believe that you should sell, raise two billion dollars in cash at an right at eighty dollars a share, they had made no statements through this whole thing, so they were never in a legal problem of saying it's a pump and dump scheme, it's whatever, right? Their financials don't prove they should be that size company, so they said nothing at all and let the people trade the money. Right, and now have a valuation extraordinarily high that says to people, "Well, look how much money right is here available. That if we now right decide to exercise on this, right, this many people are paying attention. If we go into e-commerce, if we make these plays that we thought we were going to go do when we tried to recap recapitalize this company, this many people are going to follow it, right? Because they were willing to trade the stock for it. Now that it made them all these millions." You tell me what you tell me like that. Which one of these guys have made a lot of money on GameStop is not going right into that GameStop store or buying their their games from GameStop as a service, right? Like you want to talk about like customer loyalty, 
They just gained everything they need, right? You yeah. have you, you. What do you think it would have said if they had raised money during this whole crisis? They were like, "We're going to capitalize on it while we have a chance and issue this this stock offering, and we believe we're worth this much money." Now the SEC is like, "Why are you worth one hundred eighty dollars a share?" Because they all said you were because you guys are doing this whole like scheme, right? That would have looked bad. So they would have had to, to do it way too low. That now, what's the stock price? If they uh, issued that at forty dollars, that they, they would have killed every one of the retail investors that just got involved. Right. I yeah. think of right now it's like a hundred or something like that. I think it's yeah, even maybe even higher than that. But like, it, it doesn't matter about it, yeah. It matters that like a lot of people were investing in you know three hundred dollars, et cetera. It, it does, but what really matters is that the company was trading at five dollars, right? right? That's when people were starting to you know when when, they, when the rise started. When Ryan Cohen got in, he I bought like eight million dollars, seven ten million dollars worth of shares to like go join the board and like retake over this company that that was. About going bankrupt, like a week later, the surge. I mean, not a week later, a couple months later, the this whole uh, Reddit, Wall Street bets happens. Those shares are worth three billion dollars, right? Like yeah. three billion. If he sells them all, that says to everyone, we're not going to make this much money, right? right? I, he's not even willing to hold, right? The fact that it's still there, the price is still at what it's at, right? And now they have the ability. It, what it's saying is like there are some fundamentals that believe that if they now exercise. What just happened is not like a, it's not a bet that they're like going to be able to win this. It's a bet that like what just happened means that there's this many people interested in actually also being a customer of GameStop. Like they have a business, a legitimate business. They generated eight billion, $7 billion in revenue last year, right? Like put it into different uses by a different team with this many people, with so much attention on, with how many eyes are on GameStop. And then when they, when they launch whatever this the next thing they launch is, you tell me that it's not going to be, it's not going to be a hit. I don't care if it's good or not, right? Yeah, and actually, really funny story is that uh, while all this is going on, I actually know someone who's working at GameStop, like in their corporate offices, and it there wasn't they weren't prepared for it. They were just like, "Oh yeah, the stock's going up, but we don't know why." Exactly like that, and that's why they, they didn't have made statements until recently. I, I mean, I'm not, I don't know exactly what they said lately, but like. They it, they had an earnings call. It was their first earnings report since, and they lost. I think they, they yeah they lost a ton of money. But what that's not the point. The point is that they they made no statements because <clears throat> to make a statement at all would be I don't know <coughs> if sorry excuse me if the right term would be like um, violation of SEC policy or what it is. But if they were in a lockup period, which we don't know, <clears throat> they wouldn't be able to make any statements. They certainly wouldn't want to want to say that the valuation of the company is based on fundamentals, right? They would have to announce what's going on. If there was some, like people believe, some weird fishy activity going on, right, where they were pumping it and the insiders were getting out at this valuation, they would have to make a statement. Right. Right? Like, <clears throat> by not saying anything, they also didn't play in it, right? Like I said, they didn't gain any money. It was changing hands between you and I. I believe it's worth 200 Well, no, it's worth 220 240 260. It was like an auction, right? Just between people, because I know as a, as an investor, 139% short. That means you have a short position. You have to go borrow that share. Well, guess what the price is that you're going to borrow it at? Right. Three ton, three, 250 today, right? And in that position, it was it was an in, uh, intelligent investment. To say that that's not fundamentally smart, it's not on the books of the revenue of the company fundamentals. It's you made a bad bet, right? Mm. You short. You bought a short is is to borrow the share at a, a lower price. You have to physically go get that share at that price. Did you go get it? If you didn't go get it, then you're screwed. That's called a naked. That's called a naked short, right? Right. Not legal. 
So now go get it. Well, if you didn't go get it, you're going to get it at 300, maybe 200. Maybe you have a, a, a certain fund that has some at 80 that you can grab, right? Because you need to pay the difference when the, the expiration of that short, when, when that uh, short position um, expires, which was that classic Friday, right? When those all expired at, and you had your shorts in and you had an uh, offer in at $12, right? Well, the current price is three, 300 right? I know I can invest because 139% of the company is short interest. Every single share available, right, is over that, more than that, is shorted. So when, when this time comes and all these shorts and all these, the, the date expires, every one of them can't possibly go get all these shorts, can't possibly own a share, right? Like they said that they went and borrowed it, but it's not possible that they did because there's 39% extra. Where is that sitting? So 39% extra people, we're going to have to go borrow it at today's price, continuously feeding this cycle, right? Yeah. It's just, but we, I know for a fact you can't get it from someone else. Now, if it was under 100% short interest, that means someone has a share that's not shorted, that can, doesn't matter, right? It can sell it to you at whatever price they want, right? Right. When it's above that, 100%, it means there's no shares available to be had, right? For, uh, by an exchange, a brokerage, a market maker has no shares for you. You have to buy it right now at its current price, right? It just feeds the cycle. Right now, with it being short interest, under like you know, thirty-eight percent, now you're just making a, a bet that like it, it's not it's it's worth more than whatever their short position actually is. Versus making the bet that once their short expires, I'm betting that I know you have a short, right? It's more like poker. Like I have two aces. There's an ace on the board. You can't have pocket aces, buddy. Mm-hmm. It's that game. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's it. It's <laughs> um, a, a lot to process. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I really hope that I correctly stated everything I did in the, um, um, you know, the discussion about in the private investments. If I if I did slip up in some of the actual technicals, um, I I don't have any you know documentation in front of me. I'm I'm speaking mostly about the conversation that needs to be had in and is being had that accessibility in all fronts is not just giving the opportunity, but respecting the opportunity. Like these people, the everyday people do have the right and are, are good enough, should be trusted, and I believe will feed, help feed the, the small, you know, small businesses of the world to, you know, re, yeah. I guess, take over. Just because you don't have a million dollars doesn't mean you don't know what you're doing with your money. Right, and like, I, what, what's crazy is what opened my eyes to this was actually being accepted as a, like an accredited investor and like in being able to do this. I was like, this is ridiculous. Like two day, two weeks ago, like I was that feeling that way. Now I'm not, and it's like it's such a minimal amount of a difference, right? And like I, I don't think that like I gain privilege necessarily because of that like earning or that title, but I believe that the ability to now say I'm going to choose to take my my fund and raise it from everyday people, right, and not go to institutions and not go to people with a hundred, you know, hundred million, hundred millionaires and, and only millionaires and accredited investors and limit, even though it's going to hurt me in some way, because my fund can only be up to $5 million, right? Cause that's, that's the vehicle size that I can invest with. As you saw Arlen and, and Sahil means I can't make that huge investments in those companies, right? Like I said, that need more than $5 million, but one to five is a huge jump. There's so many more companies now that can take the needed 3 million. That wasn't a possibility. So now that it is, like, there's just that, it, it's on both sides, right? Like, startups can raise $2 million and get going, and the people that can fund them can be people like me 
who want to make small investments in small sorry makers like you know what I mean um that people I've seen build and like I would I would trust like you know what I mean that that my that maybe not this billion dollar level right but like me and 500 five other people who who have you know twenty thousand dollars to put together that I can raise from them and there's a hundred thousand dollars in you know what I mean brought in and then the other two million or so can come from you know some more substantial I'm making sure that like the people who also watched this person build this alongside me like you right yeah. will will recognize the return not just me because like I have a little bit more or like you know like experience lifetime or, or like i had success doesn't mean that you and i right now don't see the same vision in certain company and we're speaking about a company specifically we're going to keep it unnamed but like yeah. we both have the same vision i can currently fund him he can't i would rather take my fund and allow it to be made raised by him alex to be part of my fund and invest in a vehicle that way and not have it be accredited investors that gave me money to give it to someone else it's like great so a millionaire made more money congratulations yeah right um Tyler Tringis of Ernest Cap, I remember yeah, shouts to Tyler. one thing he said was like, um, a five or a five figure check can change someone's life. And that's what we're talking about right now. Right. Like, and it's, it's less than that. Like Tyler's, Tyler's, his, he's so great. And especially because like his model allows for you to gain your cat, your actual equity back and, yeah. um, in an earning share. Right. So like, he's not trying to like Invest in you, like I was saying before, give you $100 million, give $100 million in, and then when you're worth $800 million, he exits and liquidates to another VC firm, and he doesn't care that you didn't make it, right? Eventually, you fall on your faces, and you're not a company, you're only employed, but they've seen a return. His earning share is like, you're able to pay it back, and then eventually, you're just giving him a percentage of your revenue, right, their firm, for X amount of years until they see a, whatever that 20% you'd see, you're usually used to, right? So, like, maybe you make $100,000 a year in revenue, right, and he'll give you, like, a million dollars. Well, until you pay, you, you make $100,000 a year, in 12 years from now, you'll give them $1.2 million, right? That's a way more, in, I, like, he's investing in the fact that you're going to continuously make money, right? Not that in a short period of time, his stock might be able to be worth more, that he can exit it. That's all the, what the other guys are doing, right? right. He's literally betting that you're going to keep going and you're going to keep getting money and keep making it because he doesn't keep making money unless you keep making money. Right, it's not <laughs> equity, it's revenue, a share of the revenue. Right, exactly, until you repay him. Like, yes, he owns part of the company until you do, but once you're there, like, you're repaying him with your revenue. He's expecting that you're going to, however long it takes you, right? It could, it, he could be looking at it like it might take you only a year. Of course, this is a great investment, right? But then it, it, it can't be possibly given enough equity in the company if the company believes they could pay you it back in one year. But if the company believes, okay, this is a million dollars because I only make 50 grand a year. That's awesome to me. If I make a, a 300 grand a year and someone offers me a million dollar investment, I'm like, fine, you can have, what, a couple percent, right? Because I can give that back. I can get that back in a year versus a 30-year loan from a bank, right, that I would have to pay that back. It would be no, for no equity, right? You would never do that. But if you say to a pizza shop, right, like, here's a, uh, here's a million dollars, right? You can pay me back with, uh, as a percentage of your revenue until you give me a million too, right? Like, that's like that's awesome, right? And to have someone like that being like leading the way and like like you know rising his way through the ranks, to like to be recognized and, and earning like returning, showing a return to his investors, like it's working. You know what I mean? Like he, it's it's investing in the idea, the person most importantly, the person and and the belief that you're not going to win if they don't win, right? You like you can fall on your face. I'm gonna then not get. Now I'm, I'm gonna fall on my face. My my investors do not get the return. If you make it, I'm gonna keep letting you make it. Right? Mm -hmm. That allows me to say, well, you know what? If you need three hundred thousand dollars more, I see you earning more. 
I'll give you $300,000 more, and then you're going to get more revenue, you earn more revenue. I see that happening, right? Like I can now, I'm in a strategic investment position, right? Like I own equity in your company and you're making a lot of money because now you have a million dollars to spend. You could market, right? You didn't realize how much you can make. I'm like, awesome. I don't want to sell my shares back now because now you might go raise a huge venture round, right? Right. Like that's available too. So like you can keep them in there because like what if, if I'm now in the fund, I might want to put in a, 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 be a part of that $2 million, $5 million, $10 million round, right? That kind of round wasn't going to ever be available to a Tyler in, from, you know what I mean, in, in that sense. Now it is because they're able to get in to the company and actually believe in them and fund them through the hard time, right? Like when they're struggling and, and the VC's like, well, I don't really care anymore because like I, if I liquidate right now, we still killed it. Like, no, he, he's going to fight through that part with you, right? Like that to me is like, that, that's where I, like, I'm not saying this where I want to be necessarily like as a fund, maybe it is, but like that's the position I want to be in as a founder, right? Like I want to be raising from people that like want to believe in me, whether or not they actually do, it doesn't even matter, right? It's like the idea, it's, it's confidence. Like, you don't want to meet with your VCs and it's like if you don't show them 10x growth, they don't care at all. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, look how much money we made. Like, I, I went out and I generated this much revenue, right? Like, it's your fault you told me I need to spend $100 billion. Like, I wanted to raise 10. I walked into your office. You said, no, here's 100 because right? you'll make 10 times more. Like, right. right that's what they, they, they tricked you. And Tyler isn't going to be like, oh, yeah, use this other company I funded for uh, your operation. The name of it is literally the definition of what you should think of it as. Right? Yeah. Like, it's literally just, it's just, it's earnest. It's exactly the way it should be. Right. Because that's what you said happened when you raised money is that they were like, okay, you need to use this software. I got, they, they made, okay. When I raised my first, uh, yeah, my first round of capital from a venture, venture fund, it was, it was somewhere like in the $350,000 range or something like that. It, was, it wasn't that large, right? But in the, written in the agreement was, I had to use, I, they charged me, took withdrew from that $350,000, $23,500 to use their internal team, marketing teams, SEO software and, and data analytics software. Now, I'm a data analyst. Like, I, that, that's, I wasn't programming this. I am a data analyst. Like, I built this because I studied enough data, right, to realize what I wanted to build. And I built it off of that market research, right? right. Now, I have to pay you $23,500, half Six months in, they still didn't even have a dashboard ready for me, right? Like, are you, so you're basically, you're saying you're stuffing the pockets of a side company that you own, right? I'm not going to name anything in this, but like, that's what it felt like. Now that's allowed because it's true. The, the investment is company's allowed to say, the firm's allowed to say, we want you to guarantee that you're viewing and making these decisions, right? In a certain manner. And we're going to make sure that you have to use a certain agency. They right. can stipulate who... Your prime broker is, who your this is, who your that is, right? Like with your shares, it could be part of their agreement. But I think it's ridiculously, like almost offensive, right? To say like, you have to pay us for this service. We're going to take it out of, your, out, of, out of the money. And if you can't prove to them that you can have the same service, right? Geckoboard.com was like $49 at the time. I remember this in 2013. It was just click, add, connect, like Zapier shouts. I literally back then made a zap that connected my um my like a gecko board to uh my data analytics my my google analytics and i i had a dashboard it was six months in they didn't have a dashboard it took me 49 dollars in five minutes and i was looking at everything spread out and i was like so you're telling me i'm actually paying you two grand a month to what to pay your employees to build this for me i would build it i mean it's not chats anything about me i would build it better than them because i'm it's my product i know what i'm trying to look for like right and like seo 
I learned SEO myself through YouTube. I don't need a a thousand dollars to be to be tied to the money that's being given right. to me. Like to grow your business. Right, right. Like that's what I'm saying. That's the logic. That's that's the proof that they don't care if I'm making enough money and I do that well. They care that can I be put in a position where in a year or two from now when I re-raise, it's worth more money, right? On paper. Not did I make enough money, did I profit? Can I can I bring home to my own home cash? Doesn't matter at all to them, right? That $23,500, I earned 20 grand that year. That my salary was $20,000. I paid those guys 23,500. I never used the dashboard. I don't think I know. I never logged in. I don't think I, I never made a password by 6 months in. I was like I think we actually agreed to a, a, a separation of it at like 11 because like that was the prorated amount at that point. And I know Brendan, he literally doesn't remember the service, the name of the service. I, 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 I can't tell you the name of it. <laughs> Still, I, I, I look, and I, after we talk, spoke about it the first time, I looked it up and I, it doesn't, I don't think it exists. <laughs> yeah, so check out, uh, I think it's episode 49 uh, interview with Brendan Weinstein. It might be Heisenberg on the podcast website. It was in uh, January of 2020. That was the first time Brandon was on the podcast, and we talked about that a little more. But yeah, yeah, that was that was a uh, it was funny. Like, and it's crazy, right? Because in that year, like, that was me talking about like being funded, like what it's like going through the process of being in like the position of a startup. And like in a matter of a year now, I'm trying to be the guy who's like not trying to be the guy who's like, but like I would rather be a voice of the ability to invest, be changing the person who invested in me, right? right. Like that person could have been a different person. I would have made it a lot further, they would have made it a lot further, and I would have been able to get along with because I would have been able to choose and raise from those who are like-minded like me, like you. I would want to raise money from you because you being invested in me, us are us conversating over, that's not even a word, I hate that I want to say that, <laughs> um, sorry, um, over like what the next move should be would be way more important to me. I would listen to it, right? Right. If I thought your only interest is like next month, Right when I report earnings, is the valuation going to be high enough, and is there enough liquidity in the company that you can get out? Right. That's I know that's your view. I'm not going to listen to a word you say. Now you might be giving me the best advice in the world, but it's like you know, what I mean, relationship with your customers just as important. Like it's the same thing as a relationship with your investor. Like people, people hate having to like like give VC updates, right? Why? That guy's like, you know how valuable that guy's brain is. That guy or girl? Sorry, I did not mean guy at all. It was in the yeah yeah the, you know, the term you guys um but like that that value is like they're not there as your advisor anymore because you don't trust them. Yeah, it's it's weird how much things change in a year. I started this podcast because I was afraid of writing, and now I have a book. Yeah, right. I, I raised one. Yeah, I raised like a round, and now I guess I'm a credit, credit investor, and I, I learned I'm I actually finished this year too a, a, a Columbia course in uh, software engineering. Um, that was fun in 2020. Um. So yeah, I've done a lot. A lot of time, a lot's changed since. But um, this is actually the the recap of all that would be last year we were online buddies, I guess, like yeah. that had met <laughs> online and like shouts to MakerLog, like like many others I'm sure out of you have met through MakerLog. And today, like we're sitting here a year and a half later, like in a hotel room, posted in, up in San Jose, recording this together. Yeah. All right. But really, um, before. I interviewed him. I didn't really know Brendan that well. And then, like, the weekend after I interviewed him, we, like, really started talking mm -hmm. for, like, hours and hours, and we just hit it off, like, really well. Like, I knew him in September of 2019. Mm -hmm. We started talking about comedians like Andrew Dice Clay, Bill Burr, yeah. and that's how we started talking. We still do this shit. <laughs> and then we just started talking, like, every week 
Yeah, you no, day, yeah, no, multiple times a day. Like, yeah. like cuz like it, it became a point where, you know, obviously everyone knows how, how friendships work like that, but yeah. if if you if you're not like currently involved or actively involved in like, you know, an online community, especially during COVID, you know what I mean? Like I highly suggest it because it's not it's so much different. Like I think his his mother actually Alex's mother said something funny like earlier today. He's like, "So you're you're going to meet like a, a, a random guy you met online?" Like yeah. and we we're like it's so not like that because it's like there's so much commonality between the conversations you've had and like communities really allow you to like express the person you are and other people like you will like will you know I mean connect with you you don't have to be this fake person that because in person like someone might judge you for it right yeah. the first the first impression is like not there it's not what you look like and like did, did you come up looking great at me it's like no did we get along and like laugh at something yeah and it's really hard to find someone with common interests like Okay, I, I live in the Bay Area, right? And people are obsessed with raising money. And here I am, like, trying to bootstrap myself, do everything myself. I remember I was working at a startup in 2019 when I was uh, when I first met Brendan. And my boss, we were four people in one office, about as big as this room. And she was talking about making $4 million so she can raise uh, $4 million annually. So she can raise uh, more money. And... I, I had to bite my tongue and be like, or stop myself from saying, like, you need $4 million more just to raise. Like, if, dude, if I had $4 million in annual revenue, I'd be on a beach somewhere, like, in Texas, hanging out with my family every day. I wouldn't be in the Bay You want to know why she has to do that? Because she's beholden to someone who's given them so much money that they have to give them $8 million back, right? Like, because some VC down the road back, back when said, Here's a hundred million dollars. I know you wanted 10 and wanted to have a normal little business, but because we have this huge position in your company, we can make your shares worth $10 billion, right? right. Luring you in, great, perfect. Now you have a hundred million dollars, but you just spent it all. You lost it, right? These companies aren't profitable. You don't have that money at the end of the day, but they got paid. Right, so the entire time I was there, I was there for like six weeks and she was trying to get that first sale. And that was September and I left in November, like right before Thanksgiving. I don't know if she got those 10 uh, sales before the end of the year. And she was telling me she had a raise in April, 2020. Now but, I'll tell you, like, let me- Hold up, hold up, hold up. There's more. So the company <laughs> was a recruiting events platform. So- Oh, COVID. Yeah, I think COVID shut the company down. <laughs> now, okay, cut, shut 90, you know, God knows how many companies down, but- yeah. That's like, that's, I mean, that's brutal. And, and like, can you imagine the, uh, like, the feeling you have inside, right? When you know, you're, you, you're, we were talking about this earlier. Not one person out here could be listening to this, right? We get zero views. Me and you will be proud of the second we hit end, right? Yeah. The second. That is exactly what that person was deprived of. Because she was told that all she did, making all that money, right? Millions. She needs four million more, Right? Because she can't get four million more, she now has nothing. Basically, telling her everything you did is worth nothing because you can't make a hundred million. Like, that's that's you get no appreciation for what you can earn, right? Like the hard work, the like the, the success at all is like yeah, well, I'm, that's dinner. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I believe that like that's just too much. Um, you know what I mean? Like response, not too much responsibility. It's it's more. It's too much pressure. Like to be in a position where that many millions is like determining whether or not the lights go on like what kind of state 
like millions determines the lights. Like what in it pushes back to like Tyler's model, right? Like the model of shared earnings would have never let you get in that position, right? Because right. You, the investors only earning as you're earning. And to be, if they knew that, don't you think they'd give you $4 million more right now if they knew that they can earn more and you could earn more, right? Like, but that's not possible in this current model because you would have to issue a new stock like offering, right? Yeah. Well, you can just put up a crowd off a crowd size fund offering tomorrow. Get your four million dollars, and they'll see a return instantly because you'll tell them, "Hey, if I hit four million, I get a fundraise." Yeah. No, it's ridiculous, and I always say this to Brennan. I say this probably like once a month. It's ridiculous how much money these people are making. Like, you don't need. A hundred million dollars. You can't spend a hundred million dollars. No, we had this argument. I could spend a hundred million. <laughs> you could, but the average person no, who's no, no. financially is... responsible, shut your mouth, cannot spend a hundred million dollars reasonably, let alone a billion, dude. Now you can, but here's what I'm saying: you can why? Why you can? And if you don't know who the person I'm talking about is, you should definitely look into what his what his philosophies are. Shamal Palihapitiya has an unbelievable vision on on um, invest on his investment strategy. Why do you need a billion dollars? I need a billion dollars because I only need fifty. I don't need fifty million dollars, but give me fifty million of that. Nine hundred fifty million million dollars of that is so that I can go do something powerful or impact the world, right? Like I now have the ability to turn nine hundred fifty million dollars into ten billion, and then put ten billion into green green energy, into climate change, right? If I have the the ability, if I'm one of the few people on the planet that actually has the access to that much capital, and then can earn that much more. And I, I'm going to put it towards the right things. I almost feel like it's a responsibility to try to keep earning. If that's what the, 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 the choice you've made, what you're going to invest in, right? Like if you're going to fund, like, can you, can you actually imagine that like all these companies that fail, right? These, these stupid little apps that are trading like, um, scooters, literally like scooter apps and, and, or like messaging apps that like let you send emojis, right? Or like you, you, you face swaps, deep things. They raise $50 million, $30 million, even, I don't care if it's $2. How is every one of those freaking dollars not going to something like, like you know, um, decarbonization, right? Like we know for a fact the, the, that the globe is, is heating, right? Like we are global warming is is going to force us off this earth, and we are funding applications that allow me and you to somehow get into some problem, right? With like, uh, like dating dating apps and like and like 150 of them, knowing 30, 97 of them are gonna fail. When those 97 failed. That's the, those, that much money put towards the right investment, if I'm going to be putting that invest, that, making that choice and funding the, the right companies, I almost feel like, isn't it a responsibility to like try to earn more money so that I can be putting it into that, into that vehicle? Like that's what I mean by spending. It's not spending money to, on things for me. I'm bringing nothing home. By spending, I mean I am going to earn money so that I can spend it on the, the, you mean like the company that can go and not investing, literally put it towards the actual cleanup of the ocean. Right, like, right. no, I, I don't have a problem with that. What I have a problem with is like, you know, another dating app. Right, no, then that's right. exactly my statement. Is like, I, I, I get it that like if you're a part of a firm, a fund, like you don't really have the uh, the full say in like whether or not that's what your fund invested in, and like they right now they're in the position. Like I said, they have to get into every one of them because whichever one hits, like you can't miss out, right? Deal flow. Right. Like if you listen to VCs or you like follow listening to those podcasts, like. They, they fight tooth and nail to be a part of whichever one they can, right? So yes. that's why they fund everyone they can because it's like, if that one hits, if they become the next $1 billion company, Twitter. go public through a SPAC, right? Like, yeah. it's just like, it's, it, I can't even explain how easy, like, 
It's almost the same way with that prime broker thing I was just playing. It's like, yeah. okay, so I have $5 million. I can go to, and now that I'm a fund because I'm a credit, I can go to a prime broker and I have 50x liquidity. Now I have a $250 million fund, right? Like, that's the same thing. It's like, I can reverse IPO in via SPAC in, and have no re- no income, no revenue, pre-revenue. Like, Lucid is a, what, a $30 billion company? They have made not $1, right? Like, a, 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 a reservation? You want to reserve a car? Good. It's online. It's free. Right? Like, right. It's a placeholder. Don't get us started on Faraday. <laughs> right, right. Oh. <laughs> Person, yeah, no, here. but see, like, okay. Someone born this year can live to uh, 2100, would it be, like, 100 years? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, my thing is, why invest in Mars instead of, like, taking that money and improving the planet for... My nephew's well, no, grandkids. No, no, no. I, I see it a little differently. I don't think it's investing in Mars. I think it's investing in, like, it's all this, It's all part of the same. Now, if we can't, it's not like making a bet against, it's almost a hedge. Like, if we can create a way in which, if we have to leave this planet, maybe it's not now. Maybe it's 2,900, right? Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be now. But, like, to only save for the next 100 years, like, your grandkids' grandkids now, you screwed them, right? Like, right. It's, it's both. If you think, like, the technology needed to get to Mars, right, efficiently and be back and forth is not, meaning we're also figuring out along that way everything that we needed to do to along that path to clean it, right? Like, imagine if everything plane that went to Mars sucked up all of the the um, uh, carbonization that in the air while it went through, right? Yeah. And it was like a cleaning vessel, right? Now you're like, literally, you're helping, but you're still making the statement that eventually, if we could have, like, pods on Mars, right, that, like, you exit... Almost like the space station. You don't you don't go outside like you know what I mean like because because you can't live on Mars. But there's these hundred million square foot vessels right that you could be in and almost mm-hmm. vacation there. Or like if we get to a point where we have to build an establishment where like air from the outside is first cleansed or like if something happens right like the way you could be on a a, a ship that could that I know it's not that logical because of what's like you know where it is and the temperature and everything like that like it, it could be so far away. But the technology that would be needed to get there and do that is so in line still with like where we'd be, you know, down that road that we would be, we won't be there unless we can figure out these first hundred years anyway, is kind of what I'm saying, right? right. Like, so you're saying that the technology to get to Mars will help us clean up the Earth. I think, I think it, it says a lot, right? Like, it said, like what if we find things on, on Mars, like in, in, the, in the rubble, right? Well, That's like teaching us, it's science. It, it, w- w- to save the, this planet, does, what if we can learn something about planets that currently can't house people, right? Can't habitat people, that can teach us something about how we can save this planet. Right, I was just about to say that. The technology we create to be able to inhabit Mars could help us. Live here. Yeah. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. Like, If we can figure out how to somehow stand there, we could probably figure out or have gotten to a point, right, where we're near a science level. That can figure out some sort of like Elon, I mean Elon Musk is doing this right now, and I'm not he's not the only one that I don't want to He's not gonna be the one to get like, us to Mars. That that statement can be true, but like it, it, it very I, much is. I'm talking about the decarbonization point, like yeah. Um, carbon capture. Imagine if I told you that I could like take an airplane vessel and just drive over the earth, drive like every airplane engines. The back of the engine, right? It spins. The back of the engine is like somehow a device that's like cleaning the air, right? Instead of trying to limit the amount of shit we put up into the air, right? If I told you I can just suck it up and capture it all before it damages us, right? We could at least pause, like this is the way I view it, right? We could pause the problem that's going on, 
long enough that we can get to that point that you were just saying, right? Where we've gotten to a scientific point where we can figure it out, right? Like it gives us that 150 years or something, right? Like no more damage will be done until we can figure it out. Okay, cool, right? Like that's an a, a interesting project that I'm thinking about. Like, you know, I, mean, I would love to be getting, like, I want to start investing in like, it's not green, it's like, like you know, these uh, in another EV company, it's not going to space. Like those things are awesome, but the idea that like we could, there's a lot of things in smaller sizes that today can make things easier for us to do the, to do what we're supposed to do without changing our lives so much. Little things like, inve like you know, green, you and I, even as simple as accessibility to investments. The everyday investor is probably is more than likely, and I would, I'm not. This is speaking off of like a mindset, like more my opinion, but I would believe that they're more likely to invest in companies like a private company like carbon capture that's trying to change our our climate problem over putting the stock in my money in the stock market and making an investment in ExxonMobil. Yeah. Or another dating app cuz they don't work. Stop creating dating apps. Uh, I should we go into one? No. There's one that works, I'll tell you. No. Okay. Don't listen to him. <laughs> I got in trouble talking about it once, we're not going to talk about it again. Right. That wasn't even what yeah, that was stupid. <laughs> um, this is, is this touching record time, huh? Yeah, definitely. So I still have two questions. Well, hit me. All right. Well, so, now we're together. Like, like <laughs> don't hit me, hit me. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> He's hitting me. <laughs> dude, uh, dude, we've been together for like, what, 12 hours? Yeah, no. Uh, and okay. like, all our conversations are podcast worthy. Yeah, no, I, 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 I said earlier, I like, I'm going to start doing this, like, and that sounded a little bit like, we didn't mean that in a cocky way. We mean it like, genuinely, the things we talk about are things we would want to, even if there's no listeners, like we said before, yeah. would be proud, like, are happy with. And like, they're not, they're, they're not about nothing, right? They're like, it, that's what I was saying about what MakerLog did. It doesn't make you connect with people that necessarily, like, are people you're supposed to be friends with, right? Like, right. I, I, I hate the way this is going to sound, but like, when you see a group of gorgeous girls together or like athletic girls together that are going to the gym or going to a, a nightclub, right? Like a lot of the people together that are associated with each other are associated by status, figure, wealth, placement, right? Like proximity, looks, yeah. proximity. It's not, what are you like? What are you do? What are you saying? What are you caring about? Right? And I'm just happening to discuss that with you. And through time, we all discuss and like those same things at your core. You never had to hide and just start going. You want to go to the nightclub, so you went with who went to the nightclub. The people right. you're going to meet are who's in there. You're limited to that. What if you could say out loud, like, everything you want in that nightclub, and that just surrounded you, right? Like, mm -hmm. and that's the nightclub you're in. Like, that's what a community gives you. And then, like, when you meet in person, it's like, you, did you feel you were meeting me? No. no. Right? Like, it was like, what up? Like, right? Right. Like, we hugged each other. We have never met before, and our first interaction was a hug. Sounds so bad. Oh my god, shut up. <laughs> okay, uh, back to my two questions. Oh, also, I want to bring this up. What we're talking about, like, this entire episode has been about how the internet, like, gives you opportunities. Mm -hmm. I just right. want to put that out. Yeah, it's, it, 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 the, the, exactly. Like, like I was saying before, we, were, we wish we had um, recorded everything we were saying today because... It all touches sim to similar points than this, and that the reason why we're recording this is like, what it's not anything about me trying to me definitely not about me trying to say like the things that I know, which were the the statements about what had changed in investing. A lot of them are not may not be like I'm saying may not be exactly entirely correct, and I don't even really care if they're not. The point is is that I want other people to know 
if anyone listens to this, that like they should even look into it, right? Yeah. Like look at read into what changes happen. Read into see if like now you you didn't know you could. I'm telling you, there's ways in vehicles now. Like so, if if I did like. I don't know if anyone watches Pardon the Interruption, but it, at the end of the show, they have an errors and omissions section. If we had that one, I'm sorry. There may be errors and, and omissions. If I made any, I apologize. I know of one. What? <laughs> uh, you got wrong about a naked short. You said it was illegal. It's illegal for... Uh, the naked shorts are illegal. Dude. Not for hedge funds. Yes, they are. Yes, oh, it is. What? Yes, it is. So, uh, so uh, then why yeah, are they allowed? They're not. So then why do they do them? Okay, it's technically... This is the way it's considered. A short interest is... The... Is... Defined by the amount of is the shares and interest, right? Right. So you're charged a fee, interest, to borrow that stock, right? So it can be more than 100%. There's only 100% of shares actually outstanding, but including the interest, right? Mm. So they're not allowed to short it, uh, 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 naked. They're not allowed to do a naked short, right? But they may have an agreement with another firm that says, in the event you need to, we'll be willing to sell you one on the way down, right? Is it right. short? No. I can, val- I can validly say to you, I have borrowed that share. I have a written agreement. But I didn't spend it yet, right? There's no, it's a con- contract. Contract trading is fake. It's paper. Right. Right? So I have a, a loan for a prime broker who's given me $50 million, right? That's going to cover my whole short position to purchase it, right? And I know for a fact I can get them back at $80 from him only because we are both partner funds, Right? That's what I mean. They're not. They're not allowed to naked short, but they can use their fund, right, to, and their their partnerships to go access and get that that share that doesn't actually exist at three. Like, here a good example is the way that um um, what's his name? What um, who shorted who shorted um GameStop really hard? Um, um Andrew left. No, 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 no. Oh, no, no. Melvin. Yeah, yeah, Melvin Capital. Sorry, Melvin Capital. Um, uh, Gabe Plotkin. So he announced at like a certain, basically his, he was a drive, pile drive the hell out of that stock, right? And his short position was the one that caused all this drama. Now his fund, his, his, his fund was a, head, a fund that was basically designed as um, intentionally shorting companies for the purpose of, you know, finding like fraud and like for the right purposes. Now this short position alone they lost 53% of the firm's value from that one trade alone, right? Like, that happened, but he got out at $90. So if he actually had a sh- had went and borrowed that chair, right? Like he said, at when we, and he owned it at five, right? If he didn't have a deal with someone where, somewhere along the lines, another fund, right? To get it back, how did he purchase his shares at $90 if, before the expiration date if it never hit $90 before the date? It's still not net, right? He got he announced on that Thursday that he announced on Friday that Thursday night he was fully out of his short position and closed it out at ninety dollars at a one hundred percent loss. Right when the stock was two hundred dollars, three hundred dollars. And when, where was his ninety dollars? How did he get it for ninety if it wasn't from another fund or firm? Right, and especially because when Andrew left, made his announcement that it was worth twenty dollars a share, it was forty. That's Citron, though. Yeah, right? I, yeah. I, but I'm saying like, but that, when, the fact, when, when the fact that Citron started, research is out of business, they're out of the short interest business. Like they're out of the shorting business. They, yeah. What they do for a living is no longer viable in one day. It's worth the trading, right? Like, yeah. it makes a statement. It's like, the, it, not all short short trading is bad. Like it, it could do good things. It could it could yeah. just I mean, I mean disclose fraud in many ways. But the way that you that a, a hedge fund is allowed to levy itself up. 
and then get such a position in, in a short of short interest that is basically it's not available to the person who's trying to actually go there and make money in like in the stock market right in the average everyday investor because they don't have a prime broker behind them that can levy them up that way right so uh citron research i i read their stuff uh it's run by andrew left and he made a statement pretty recently and he said like the reason why short stuff is to uncover fraud and let the retail investor know like this is wrong but if uh the average or the retail investors aren't gonna like if they're gonna be all twittery let's say i don't know how to put it mean stuff yeah i'm not gonna do it and i know andrew left from a company called val valiant valiant yeah yeah and what they did is they would buy um companies yeah and uh they would buy drug companies and they yeah, would pharmaceutical right uh, like, like like a parent company parent uh, acquisition vehicle for um pharmaceutical companies Right, and they would have pills that were like available to only, or like only a hundred thousand people needed those pills, and they'd be like five dollar pills. Well, Valiant, Valiant, God, Valiant, yeah, that company would uh, buy that company and take that five dollar pill and make it five hundred dollars. Right, so uh, that that would make the pill uh, inaccessible to the average person that needed it, and um, that would raise your insurance prices. Right. <laughs> um, so he said, "This is wrong, and what they're doing is not sustainable." Yeah, this is exactly right. This is exactly what I'm saying. Like, yeah. This is a short that is. Uh, this is one. This value is where shorts like should live and should stay, and that's why I don't think we should yeah. get rid of them entirely. This is a great short. Also with Enron, where they were faking their books. That's what. Well, uh, yeah, they were cooking the books, and they were allowed to because there was no Sarbanes Oxley. I can explain it. <laughs> so uh, Jim Chanos is famous for doing that. That that's what I like about shorting. But also what I like about uh, what about Michael Lewis? Yeah, yeah, yeah the, the whole housing industry, correct? Like, yeah, he was right. They, they were these banks were giving out um, subprime loans, and the 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 mortgage rate, the mortgages that were given out were not nearly going to be paid back. The housing industry collapsed in in '08. Was very predictable. Right. A lot of people saw it coming, and he shorted the hell out of that. And the big short is the big short today because of it. Like, yeah, uh, I want to mention that Michael Burry. The, oh, sorry, Michael Burry. I didn't even mean my what is he? Michael I, Lewis. Yeah, yeah. He, he wrote the book. Right. Okay, yeah, yeah. Michael but uh, Michael Burry, the one who, who uncovered it, he lives here in Saratoga. Like he lives right by my old dentist. That's cool. Yeah. So fun fact, and uh, he's a smart guy. Yeah, definitely. Um, he, he's looking at yeah. water. So is Gabe Plotkin. Melvin Capital may have done. No, no one cares. No one cares. I'm cutting you off. <laughs> he is a he for a very long time. He was a freaking amazing investor, right? And he still is. That position was foolish. Right. Whatever. No one cares. No All one right. cares about a hedge fund. <laughs> that's true. I totally forgot my point. Um. Yeah. So that's the value in short selling. Um. Oh, what I liked about Citron was he would email reports, and it was really funny. Because he'd say like, "Oh, they're doing this, they're doing that." This is exactly and, what I'm saying. They stopped doing. Right? They're hilarious. Like, yes. This, this is all that, the business. That's not what was funny. The reports were funny themselves because you'd look at this company, and three weeks before the report, they're being praised by Market Watch, and you're seeing the stock plummet. But also, every or like the Wall Street knows that uh, a Citron report it takes a while to. Get to the SEC and like circulate to get to the public. Like, the no, to learn it to like actually for the SEC to take action. Valiant 
that that company is still around under a different name because they haven't gathered enough data. Well, you have to start an investigation. <laughs> yeah, and this was I've known Andrew Left for like five years, right? Um, so yeah, it, it'd be really funny because you'd watch the stock tank after being praised, and then Wall Street knows that his shorts take a while, so they buy the stock, and then short it from that top position. Right, and now. That exact statement of what you do, like, that's the reason they got out of the business. Not that, the, that second half, yeah. Yes, that because they they are making a, a conscious statement that, like, it's no longer right that for them to be allowing people to be gaining in that manner, right? Like, it wasn't the short of the information that was bad. It was the, we're all going to tell you, we're going to tell you all this because we know you're going to get it first, and this is the scheme you're running, right? That's the business they got out of. Mm. <laughs> I'm starving. Yeah, so am I. But, uh... Our dinner's here. It is? Where is it? I think it's been here for like 45 minutes. All right, let's end this. I still have two questions. We haven't gone. I, I've had them for like an hour. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll do a second one. I'm down. Uh, thanks for listening. Have a nice day. Wait. Bye.